You are listening to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Stay tuned for the Heartland Labor Forum, radio that talks back to the boss. a weekly show of news, information, and commentary by and for the working people of Kansas City. This show is produced by a team of volunteers from a broad range of workplaces and unions. The views expressed on the Heartland Labor Forum are ours and not necessarily those of KKFI or any unions involved. Tonight's show is being underwritten by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 124, and Blake and Ulig. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 124, supports the Heartland Labor Forum. We've been wiring Kansas City since 1905, and if you're not finding your electrical contractor at IBEW124.org, then you're not getting the best value for your money. And since 1972, Blake and Ulig has prided itself on providing comprehensive legal representation to labor organizations and their affiliated benefit funds on a local, regional, and national basis. The Heartland Labor Forum and KKFI thank our underwriters for their support. On tonight's show, our, we're going to have Heartland Labor Forum labor radio programmers and podcasters from around the country, from KC and from as far away as England, who will get out their union-made crystal balls and tell us what 2023 will bring for those who work and for the labor movement. And now for the show. We used to work nine to five and say the time flew by. Now we fighting over scraps like kitchen food flies. Two jobs plus school and it's still too little. Minimum wage raised but my rent got tripled. My boss at the cottage talking about austerity. Lounging on my coca chairs. He ain't trying to share with me. I say the economic action plan's an actual scam. After hand these factory workers find their access is banned. They turn this to a war between workers and bosses. It makes no sense. It just furthers the losses. Now we really see how much these mergers are costing. Say we get fired? None. Not caustic. Unite ourselves between the brain and the bronze. Solidarity forever until your breath is gone. All in together, sister brothers, sing the song. The union, yes, the union. The union makes us strong. That was socialist hip hop artist Muhammad Ali in his 2016 teaser video for his Labor of Love album. I'm Judy Ansel, and tonight we'll share some hot new labor music from this summer's Great Labor Arts Exchange to welcome in the year 2023, along with the predictions for the year from 17 labor activists, producers, and podcasters who have stared into their crystal balls and hopefully kept up with labor news as well in order to give us their visions for 2023. Last week, we put out the call to our Heartland Labor Forum volunteers, to the president of our local labor council, and to members of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Tonight, you'll hear their predictions for the coming year. They range from the optimistic to the pessimistic. You'll hear about predictions for the economy, for strikes, major contracts that could affect us here in Kansas City, and we even have a crystal ball gazer in England, which is currently practically shut down with strikes on railroads, at the Postal Service, and of thousands of nurses. We're going to start with Chris Garla, who is conjuring up his predictions from Washington, D.C. Chris is the founder of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, and he's focused on growing it as a lifeline of information for labor. Here's Chris. 
Hey, this is Chris Garlock. I host and produce a number of labor radio shows and podcasts, including Union City Radio, Your Rights at Work, Labor History Today, and Labor Goes to the Movies. I also produce the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly, which features clips from selected shows in the Labor Radio Podcast Network. When I look into my crystal ball for 2023, I see the Labor Radio Podcast Network continuing to grow. We're now at 182 shows, and I predict we'll hit 250 in 2023. I also see much more coordination and sharing among network members in the year ahead. I see shows sharing guests from the front lines of the ongoing struggles for workplace justice, rank-and-file union members and workers, as well as leaders from across the country and around the world. I see labor radio shows and podcasts increasing cross-promotion among network members, picking up interviews and shows from each other. Audio solidarity makes us all stronger and more effective. And in 2023, my crystal ball says we're all going to see big improvements in our technical abilities as we share best practices and learn from each other. The Labor Radio Podcast Network is amazingly diverse. It includes shows from WBAI's Building Bridges Radio to Dissents Belabored, the Art and Labor Podcast, Labor Express Radio, the Million Dollar Organizer, the Solidarity Center podcast, and so many more. Here's just a few samples. Isn't that illegal? It is, it is illegal, yes. They don't care. They're going to keep doing it, and we're going to keep doing our thing out here until, you know, they stop. <laughs> we usually say things like, tremble in fear, people of Texas. Your legislature is in session because they have passed such awful things for so long. So we said, well, you know what? We're going to go out. We're going to walk out. We've got to stop this because it's us today. It's everyone tomorrow. So to be progressive means being able to wrestle with history so we can come up with the best course of action in the present so we can create a thriving future. If you're not willing to do that and not willing to call what it is what it is, then I, I'm looking at you sideways and I'm like, mm, mm-mm. Frequently when you're going into dubbing, almost always, with rare exceptions, you don't know what you're going to say. Frequently, sometimes you don't even know what the show is. If it hasn't been released, not even in the original country where it was originally produced, you don't know what you're going into. Clips from Work Week, Workers Beat, Labor Radio, Black Work Talk, and the SAG After podcast. You don't need a crystal ball to check out the shows in the network. Just go to laborradionetwork.org. You can also subscribe to the Labor Radio Podcast weekly on your favorite podcast platform. This has been Chris Garlock wishing us all sonic solidarity in the new year. So proud to stand together for work and family The heart and soul that's made this a better place to be was one of the AFL-CIO's first attempts to boost public opinion of unions back in the 1980s. It took 40 years and a lot of help from stingy bosses to do that. Today, 71% of Americans approve of unions. That's a good sign for the future, and a number of our crystal ball gazers agree. 
but despite the Gallup poll, some don't. What follows are predictions from the good news folk and some gloom and doomers. We'll hear from Tom Gepkin, a Heartland Labor Forum contributor, Evan Papp, producer of the Empathy Media Lab in Washington, D.C., our own Sean Saving, and our engineer, Stephen Hill. I'm Tom Gebkin, president of the Communication Workers of America Local 6360 here in Kansas City, and a volunteer on this show. When I look into the crystal ball for 2023, I see a labor movement continuing to gain momentum. A labor-friendly NLRB will continue to put workers ahead of corporate interests, This will make it a little easier for those who are currently in a non-union workplace and want to become union to organize those jobs. Corporations will continue to make record profits, and workers at these newly organized jobs will get a bigger slice of the pie. My crystal ball says wages are going to continue to increase for working people. Inflation will begin to settle down. Unemployment will stay in a good place. My hope is the Teamsters bargain a successful contract with UPS more Amazon and Starbucks locations vote to become union. Teachers and other public sector workers can push back on anti-union bills coming out of the state legislatures. And my final hope is charter school teachers will choose to be represented by unions. Overall, 2023 looks bright for the labor movement. Hello, my name is Evan Papp, and I'm based in Washington, D.C., and my show is a labor solidarity podcast on the Empathy Media Lab Network. For 2023 and beyond, I see cataclysmic events coming in the near term regarding increased electricity blackouts from a grid further weakened by intermittent unreliable renewable energy. And I see the U.S. dollar losing its international reserve currency status by being displaced by the Chinese renminbi, causing over $600 billion of imports to vanish, leading to empty store shelves when printing dollars can no longer sustain 50 years of trade deficits. Dark, I know. But on the hopeful side, the crash will awaken the sleeping lion of the American people to unify labor, overcome the synthetic distractions and divisions of the ruling class, and fight Wall Street finance oligarchs with the goal of winning an economic bill of rights that was sought after but never achieved in the New Deal. Union solidarity forever. And Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year! This is Sean Saving with the Heartland Labor Forum with my thoughts on the future of labor in 2023. Support for unions seems to be at a level not seen in several generations, and I don't see that decreasing in the coming year. Retail, fast food, tech, higher ed are all seeing unprecedented organizing activity that could potentially bring hundreds of thousands into the union movement. As inflation lingers on and wages increases continue to lag, workers will maintain leverage on employers they haven't had in decades. With that in mind, keep your eyes on the Teamsters this year as they negotiate a new contract with the nation's largest private delivery service, UPS. Uh, The Teamsters, emboldened by energy from newly elected leaders of an internal democratic reform movement, have promised to play hardball this time. Uh, Control of the House of Representatives has, of course, changed. So any hope of reforming labor law is once again on hold, though Biden's NLRB is doing what it can from the administrative side to roll back egregious decisions of previous boards and finally address some longstanding issues like tighter rules for contract workers and making union elections more fair. Uh, Plus, we can expect labor law enforcement to remain a priority, which is no small thing at this point in the never-ending class war. But storm clouds are on the horizon. Economists are predicting a recession in 2023. And if it's moderate to severe, a significant uptick in unemployment could shift the balance of power back towards employers. As a surplus of labor could suppress wages and dampen support for strikes, walkouts, and any other action that could result in getting fired. See the aforementioned Teamsters contract campaign. And while continued organizing in largely unorganized sectors of the economy is likely to be good news for the Democrats over the long term, The recent imposition of a rail workers contract that was rejected by eight of the 12 rail unions over the most basic fundamental right of being able to take a day off when you're sick will only further alienate the traditional labor movement from the Democratic Party. Will those white working class voters be seduced by the pro-worker lip service of the Republican frauds like Josh Hawley and Marco Rubio? Or will they find a new outsider to lead them? Or most likely, will they just drop out of politics altogether, deciding that neither of our political parties really give a damn about their interests? 
One last thing to keep an eye on in the coming year. Experts have been warning us for decades now of the impact artificial intelligence could have on work. While we're unlikely to see much immediate impact in the coming year, a recent advances in the areas of AI-generated art and writing could completely upend the fields of computer programming, design, advertising, technical writing, journalism, well, just about any field that involves the use of language or art. We may still be years away from an AI hosting the Heartland Labor Forum, but then again, maybe it's already happened. How would you really know? This has been Sean Saving with the Heartland Labor Forum. Hope you have a great 2023. I'm Stephen Hill. I'm a volunteer with the Heartland Labor Forum. I live in Blue Springs, and my prediction for labor in 2023 is we're going to be more disappointed with government response to labor demands. And as a result of this disappointment, we're going to hear more about strikes we're going to hear about illegal strikes and maybe even general strikes that's uh hope for the future there as big bill haywood would say yeah all we got to do is put our hands in our pockets and we've got them licked this is the Heartland Labor Forum, and you're listening to our 2023 Crystal Ball Show with predictions for the working class for the year from labor producers and podcasts and a few others. And I assure you that we're real, intelligent people and in no way artificial. And if you're thinking about putting your hands in your pockets in 2023 or sitting down on the job, you might like this song from last summer's Great Labor Arts Exchange by Phil Mansour called One More Day Than Them. Phil is from Brisbane, Australia. We didn't start this battle We didn't pick this fight They sacked the workforce in the middle of the night Gates will not open Workers have the key We stand together Never on our knees Let the salt settle on their machines Rust grow free, let the birds nest in their cranes. Idle by the sea, we're gonna hold the line for one more day than them. Hold the line for one more day than them. That was an excerpt from Phil Mansour at the Great Labor Arts Exchange in Chicago at the Labor Notes Conference in June, where they were celebrating new young labor musicians and a few older ones, too. Will labor hold the line in 2023? Next, we may get some answers from Gene Lance, host of Workers Beat, a talk show on KNON Community Radio in Dallas, Texas. Gene's followed by Harold Phillips, an actor from Washington State, then by Heartland Labor Forum volunteer Judy Morgan and our own Labor Council President, Duke. In the labor movement, I don't think that the 638 union election victories that we had in 2022 will continue into 2023. The reason is because I think the economy will go down. The fact is that unions do a lot better on organizing and winning contract struggles when the economy is booming. And when the economy tends to tail off, so do election victories. So I don't think we're going to see the same level of election victory that we saw in 2022. However, what I think we will see is a continuing rise in solidarity, which means continuing strength in the labor movement, even though the official unions may not get bigger, may not have big organizing drives, may not have exciting things happen like in 2022, and it in general may not do as well. But the rest of the world is supporting unions more and more, and I think that that's going to continue. And I think this has a particular meaning for constituency groups, organizations that were set up 
to support the unions. Constituency groups like the Coalition of Labor Union Women or the A. Philip Randolph Institute, and especially the Alliance for Retired Americans. My organization is the Texas Alliance for Retired Americans, which I think will continue to be a big and bigger factor in Texas politics. This is Gene Lance. Those are my predictions. How about yours? What do you think? Hi, Judy, Chris, and everyone at the Heartland Labor Forum. It's Harold Phillips. I'm a SAG-AFTRA member living in Washington State, not the other Washington. And I'm the co-host of the Working to Live in Southwest Washington podcast, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. So, if we're looking forward to what we can expect in 2023, I think the answer is pretty simple a lot more action. If what we've seen this year and the year before is any example, we know that working people are fed up and they're willing to stand together in order to make big changes in their workplaces and in their communities. I think one of the things that's going to be a little bit different in 2023 is just how much the National Labor Relations Board is going to stand with those working people. Not that the NLRB hasn't been standing with working people over the past couple of years. They sure have. But as you know, they recently got fully funded, at last, in the latest spending bill. And that's going to allow them to adjudicate more cases to have more people to deal with unfair labor practice charges, more staff to oversee union elections, and ideally it won't take seven months for someone who's been fired for union organizing to get a judgment in their favor and get their jobs back. Look, we've all been watching this unprecedented level of organizing and activity over the past few years. And I don't see any signs of that slowing down. But just like I think we're going to see more backup on the NLRB's part, I think we're going to see even more doubling down on management's part in fighting these new organizing drives and in taking a hard line against unions who are just trying to do right by their members in contract negotiations. There are a lot of big contracts coming up for renewal this year. Contracts at automakers, contracts at airlines, UPS. We're going to see a lot of rank-and-file activism to try and get better contracts that reflect the needs of the people who work at these businesses, but I think a lot of businesses have been emboldened by seeing Starbucks and Amazon, frankly, break labor law and not face any repercussions beyond a slap on the wrist, beyond having to say they're sorry, beyond having to post a sign in the break room acknowledging that they broke the law. So I won't be surprised if we see a lot more of that too. And it really comes down to how much people are willing to fight and how much their community is willing to stand with them in that fight. That's really what's made the difference over the past few years with some of these actions that we've seen. Yes, Union members and people who are organizing into unions have hit the picket lines. Yes, they've stood shoulder to shoulder. But the big difference is that people in their community have come out and stood with them and brought them pizza and contributed to GoFundMes and not crossed picket lines to say you're not out here alone. If we can keep that level of community involvement, I think the future for labor is actually pretty strong. And, Judy, since you asked about whether actors are going to be replaced in 2023, I think the answer is not yet. But in my business, just like every other business, the bosses are looking to save money on labor wherever they can. And AI is making leaps and bounds, is making great strides. So, the future for people in my profession is probably pretty secure in the short term. In the long term, I think it's anybody's guess. Thank God I can still have a podcast. I'm Judy Morgan, President Emeritus of the American Federation of Teachers, Local 691 in Kansas City, Missouri. 
and I'm a volunteer on the Heartland Labor Forum, KKFI 90.1 FM. I've come up with four predictions for labor in the upcoming year. Number one, recently I've read several articles about AI, artificial intelligence, as defined by Britannica as the ability of a digital computer or computer-controlled robot to perform tasks commonly associated with intelligent beings. I was amazed at the type of tasks that can be accomplished by AI, like scheduling appointments, completing tasks over the phone, writing news articles or term papers, and enabling self-driving cars and other vehicles. A few days later, I read another article by Hamilton Nolan from In These Times. Mr. Nolan warned that unions and the workers they represent could be greatly impacted by AI and that they should get ahead of the problem now to protect workers. It's certainly not a stretch to predict that AI will affect labor in 2023 and subsequent years. Number two, in another article I read from Restaurant Business, senior editor Patricia Kobe predicted that employees, not customers, will come first at restaurants as they promote work-life balance and wellness to attract and retain workers in the still tight labor market. Ms. Kobe also speculated that abuse from customers toward restaurant workers will no longer be tolerated. That's a prediction I hope will come true in 2023. I've dined out a lot in my life and have always hated to see servers treated with a lack of respect and appreciation from their employers and their customers. Number three, earlier this year, the General Counsel for the National Labor Relations Board, the NLRB, issued a memorandum announcing that she will ask the board to find mandatory meetings also called captive audience meetings, as a violation of the National Labor Relations Act. During these mandatory meetings, employers require employees to listen to speeches urging the employees to vote against union representation. I predict that the NLRB will rule with its general counsel and outlaw these types of meetings, a real win for unions in their efforts to organize workplaces. Number four, with an economy that is providing more jobs and employees, workers have gained a sense of empowerment and more willingness and motivation to join a union. They want what those of us in unions have always fought for, higher wages, better working conditions, good health care, and a voice on the job. I believe that this trend will continue in 2023, and I'll end on that positive prediction. Okay, this is Pat Diakovich, also known as Duke. I'm the president of the Greater Kansas City AFL-CIO, and I am a member of the Firefighters Union. My predictions for 2023, I'll start out with organizing. I think we're going to see an increase in organizing as more people see the value of being in a union. We're at a historic high for union popularity right now. I think we're also going to see an increase in strikes, unfortunately. There is uh, one great big contract coming up, and that's the UPS contract this year. I'm not really sure how that's going to go. Hopefully, they'll be able to come to an agreement, but I'm not really confident that it'll be an easy one. And I think one of the big things that organized labor is going to face is that since we have seen a lot of organizing in like Starbucks and Amazon and, and other places, now those members are going to be demanding action. And so the unions are going to have to start producing contracts and taking care of the members, filing grievances, doing all of those things that they do. As far as upcoming governmental action and elections, I think there's going to be a huge push in Missouri to get abortion on the ballot in 2024. Um, what that's going to do to 2023, I'm not really sure. Uh, hopefully, it's going to drive turnout in some of these municipal elections we've got coming up in April. I love coffee, I love tea, and I really love the folks that brew it up for me. They need a wage that's fair, because we're consumers who care. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. I love Java, sweet and hot, 
But the Starbucks baristas don't get paid a lot. When they organize, they got their eyes on the prize. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Well, the Starbucks Corporation is just raking in dough, but they don't respect the workers who are making it so. Support the baristas who are brewing your joe. Taking it slow. Come on, Howard, you're worker powered. I love coffee, I love tea, and I really love the folks that brew it up for me. They need a wage that's fair, cause we're consumers who care. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. That's the Seattle Labor Chorus at the Great Labor Arts Exchange. Well, it seems like predicting the future has people pretty confused. We've heard that workers are fed up, that management are going to turn into ogres, that the economy is going to have a recession, that the federal government's going to come in and do some good things, that artificial intelligence is on its way, there's going to be big fights, there's going to be strikes. But the big question, I think, was raised by Harold, and he said, are working people ready to fight? Because they're going to have to fight in order to improve our situation. We'll find out more details of where these fights are going to be in the next half of the show. Do you have feedback about the shows you hear on KKFI? The KKFI Listener Survey is the way to let us know. You can go online to kkfi.org survey and give us your thoughts on our programming. Thanks for tuning in to KKFI, and remember, you can tell your smart speaker, play KKFI. If you haven't already, give it a shot. KKFI, wherever you are. We're back. I'm Judy Ansel. This is the Heartland Labor Forum, and it's our crystal ball show talking about what we think is going to happen for labor and the working class in 2023. In this second half of the show, we're going to get a little more specific in our predictions. We're going to talk about upcoming contracts. We're going to talk about UPS. We're going to talk about what's going to happen in England, about immigration law, labor law, health and safety, and then we're going to end with some real visions for the future. Hi, this is Judy Ansel, producer of the Heartland Labor Forum. Dan DiMaggio of Labor Notes has provided us with a list of contracts expiring in 2023, some of which will certainly impact Kansas City. Those are the ones I'll preview. Probably the most talked about is the UPS contract. It's the largest involving 340,000 Teamsters who are itching for a fight. It expires July 31st, and Teamster President Sean O'Brien, who has declared a new era of militancy for the post-Hoffa era, said that members of UPS won't work without a contract. So, if there's no deal by the end of July, we'll have a nationwide strike. Kansas City as a logistics center will certainly be in the thick of it. The package car drivers and warehouse workers at UPS were pretty mad when, after a majority had voted down the last contract, Hoffa found some obscure rule and imposed it despite the opposition. Issues the Teamsters want to change are the same we saw in the rail negotiations in the fall and we'll see in a lot of contracts this year. Short staffing, excessive overtime and two-tier wages and or benefits. At UPS, it's the part-timers whose pay is subnormal. Also, subcontracting, surveillance while driving, and harassment by supervisors. The second big contract that could seriously affect us here in Kansas City is the contract with the big three automakers, GM, Ford, and Stellantis. Just say Chrysler. Of course, we have two auto plants in KC, GM in Fairfax and Ford in Claycomo, the largest Ford plant in the U.S., which makes two of its hottest vehicles, the F-150 truck and the Transit. It has 6,900 hourly employees. The 2,169 workers at the GM plant make the Cadillac XT4 and the Chevy Malibu. The big three nationwide employ 150,000 union workers. The union, the United Auto Workers, leadership faces a runoff this month, so it's hard to predict how the union will handle negotiations. Issues also involve two-tier wages and benefits in job security as the companies convert to manufacture of electric vehicles. GM struck over the last contract and the workers won some things. 
I wouldn't put it past them to strike again. The contract expires September 14th. The third upcoming negotiations that could have an effect in Kansas City is the contract affecting 200,000 letter carriers for the U.S. Postal Service. That contract expires May 20th. If you haven't noticed how stressed the U.S. Postal Service is, you must not check your mail every day. Most of us have now learned not to expect the daily arrival of bills and requests for money or another appeal for some internet provider because mail service is no longer a daily service. And daily for some has turned into nightly as we see letter carriers racing to complete their routes well after dark. Truth is, the USPS ain't your grandfather's postal service anymore, and that's primarily thanks to Postmaster General Louis DeJoy. He's even got bottom-tier new hires delivering Amazon packages on Sundays, while the letter carriers with seniority complain of excess overtime and, as I said, long shifts. Will there be a postal strike? Not hardly. Not only is it illegal, but the last one was over 50 years ago. Besides that, the National Association of Letter Carriers, or NALC, like the rail unions last fall, rarely, if ever, mobilizes its members to protest anything, let alone strike. So those are the national contracts up in 2023 where there are members here. Of course, we have plenty of local unions that will renegotiate their contracts this year and we'll bring you news of them. And if you want to know what other big contracts are up this year, just go to labornotes.org and look up Dan DiMaggio's article. Hi, I'm Michael Savoie, retired Teamster and a programmer on the Heartland Labor Forum. Community Radio, 90.1 FM, KKFI in Kansas City, Missouri. My crystal ball has two predictions for the new year, 2023. I will start with the good and follow with the not-so-good. I see the unmistakable rise in a consciousness of good citizenship across all segments of our population, young and old, advantaged and disadvantaged. Employee and employer are becoming increasingly aware of the absolute necessity of their personal role as active citizens. They will no longer be content as passive participants in the American political theater. They will no longer hold the thought that my involvement doesn't matter. They will no longer look to others to fulfill their civic responsibility. In doing so, they will empower our democracy. They will immunize themselves from the deception and fake news that has been so much a part of the prevailing winds of America. My second prediction falls in the not-so-good category. I expect to see small package multinational giant UPS sidestep the new and militant leadership of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters to negotiate meaningful contract reforms. Twenty years of concessionary agreements with UPS have left 300,000 Teamster employees in a very vengeful mode. Look for UPS to play hardball in contract negotiations, assuring a long and protracted strike. Look for them to advance the narrative of strike as a threat to the economic stability of the nation, a harbinger of recession, if not depression, and a very real and present danger to our supply chain continuity, and our friends on Wall Street. Look for them to attempt to play the same card as the national rail companies played to deny railroad workers a free and meaningful negotiation with their employers. Look for our Republican majority in the House of Representatives to support them. Here's hoping I am all wrong. Hello, this is Simon Sapper from the Union Jews podcast based over in London in the United Kingdom. As we look into what 2023 holds, the only thing I can say is that the immediate future is about as clear as mud. The wave of strike action that grew up during the fall of 2022 will continue and grow. Postal workers, rail and bus workers, health workers, college lecturers have all dug in for a long campaign in support of a real terms pay rise, job security and a say in the future of the industries in which they work. In the new year, they'll be joined by firefighters, and other public sector workers like driving test examiners and environmental agency inspectors. Now, whether they like it or not, the government is involved in at least three ways. First, so many workers across so many occupations are taking action, 
it's fair to say this is something of a national crisis. Second, the government is, of course, the paymaster for many of these workers. And third, the government sets the tone of the debate on these issues. It's this third point that is perhaps the easiest thing for government to give way on, but they seem determined to carry on both stirring the pot and digging a hole for themselves with anti-union rhetoric and threats of new restrictive laws on strikes. In both cases, they seriously misread the public mood, which is largely supportive of workers taking action. The current situation cannot hold. Something just has to give over the next 12 months. Solidarity, greetings and good luck for 2023 from this side of the pond. With your children off to school We keep the buildings warm in winter And cool when it's hot And we will not let you play us for the fool When we ask for better health care Or an increase in our wage You tell us that the township can't afford to pay the bill But you found half a million dollars within those very coffers to try and break the unions back and break our will and we will never give up we will never give in and we'll never ever go away we will build a brand new future for our daughters and our sons we will work Till the workers rise as one That was Joe Jenks at the Great Labor Arts Exchange. Before him, Simon Saffer from Union Dues Podcast in England and Michael Savoir, retired Teamster and Heartland Labor Forum volunteer. Coming up, we're going to hear about various specific predictions from Bennett Nowatney, a UMKC student and Heartland Labor Forum volunteer, Mark Galas, another volunteer and a union attorney, and Mary Ario, an industrial hygienist who does our Safety First program. My name is Bennett Nowatney. I volunteer here at the Heartland Labor Forum, and I work in the field of immigration. I predict that 2023 will see the end of the DACA program. Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, is a federal immigration program that has provided employment authorization to hundreds of thousands of young immigrants since its establishment in 2012. Since then, the Republican Party has been trying to overturn DACA and was partially successful during the Trump years. The program has been in a state of legal limbo with the Biden administration until October of 2022, when it was struck down by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals but that decision was stayed pending review by the Supreme Court. In 2023, the right-wing activist Supreme Court will not take a friendly stance on DACA. I predict they will vote to uphold the lower court's decision and bring a final end to the progressive immigration program. Legislative remedies will pass the Senate, but not the Republican-dominated House. As a result, about 500,000 workers will lose their authorization to work in 2023 and 2024 as their legal status expires. Immigration is one of many areas in which the right-wing Supreme Court will bring an anti-worker stance. Ending DACA may be followed by a ruling in favor of the independent state legislature theory, which could give more power to Republican-dominated state legislatures and further restrict workers' democratic political power. Broadly, the Supreme Court is likely to be a major hindrance to workers' rights in 2023. This is Mark Galas. I'm a labor lawyer and a volunteer on the Heartland Labor Forum in Kansas City. I have two labor predictions for 2023. First, I think that the National Labor Relations Board will revive the Joy Silk Doctrine. Back in July, we interviewed Ian Ward of Politico, who wrote a very interesting article about Joy Silk. 
Essentially, it's an NLRB case from 1949, which said that if the union has majority support through signed authorization cards, the employer was required to recognize the union unless there was a good faith doubt about majority support. Therefore, you would forego an election and just recognize the union. About 20 years later, the Supreme Court decided a case called Gissel Packing. At the oral argument in that case, the NLRB counsel misrepresented the board's position, saying that the good faith doubt standard was no longer the correct standard, which came as a bit of a surprise to the NLRB, opposing counsel, and even the justices themselves. The Supreme Court adopted this revised standard and said that bargaining orders would only issue if there were outrageous unfair labor practices by the employer uh, during an election. Uh, Back in March, we interviewed Jennifer Abruzzo, who is the general counsel of the NLRB, and she indicated that a return to the Joy Silk standard was a top priority. In October, uh, one of the board's uh, administrative law judges decided a case involving Starbucks. Starbucks was alleged to have engaged in a number of unfair labor practices at stores in the Kansas City area, basically disciplining, firing workers for union activity. Instead of ordering a new election, the ALJ ordered Starbucks to recognize the union. And in a footnote, the ALJ wrote that Starbucks could not have had a good faith doubt about the union's majority status based on the authorization cards that had been submitted. And so there's some thought that this now paves the way for the full board to take up the case and to reinstate the Joy Silk standard, which will make it much easier for unions uh, to be recognized. Prediction number two. Hamilton Nolan, who was a labor reporter for In These Times and was a guest on the show back in July, wrote a piece on his 2023 labor predictions. I want to piggyback on one of those. He called it the big first contract wall. He points out how there are a number of organizing victories at Starbucks and Amazon and Trader Joe's, which are all great, but the reality is that the time between recognition of the union as the exclusive bargaining representative And the negotiation and signing of the first contract can be an eternity. Here are some stats. From the Seattle Times, 20 years ago, 50% of new unions signed their first contract within a year. Today, according to Bloomberg, only 35%. Again, according to Bloomberg, the average length of time to get a first collective bargaining agreement these days is 13 months. Well, why is that? Unfortunately, the National Labor Relations Act has no requirements for getting to the first contract other than a requirement that the parties bargain in good faith, and there really are no penalties for delay. So companies, especially rabidly anti-union ones like Starbucks and Amazon, will delay the process in the hopes of creating disaffected union members, members who have a union but don't get the benefits until much later. It's also more more costly for unions, uh, having to pay for lawyers to handle legal challenges and things like that. One of the things that would help would be the PRO Act, the Protecting the Right to Organize Act that's currently pending in Congress. The PRO Act creates a timetable for the first contract where the parties have to start bargaining within 10 days after the union request, and you can appeal it to federal court. There's mediation if no agreement is reached within 90 days, and if there's still no agreement, there's an arbitration process to try to secure a two-year contract. The problem is the PRO Act is likely dead. It passed the House, but it lacks 60 votes in the Senate to get past filibuster. So in light of that, unions are going to have to be patient and keep members in the fold in the face of all these delays. Those are my labor predictions for 2023. Happy New Year, everybody. Hello, this is Mary Ario, the Safety First Editor for the Heartland Labor Forum. What are my predictions for health and safety in 2023? The workplace has become more automated. High tech has the ability to make work safer, but can also be used for worker surveillance, increasing stress. Workplace deaths are on the increase. Will the Occupational Safety and Health Administration be up to the task? For the second year in a row, OSHA's budget increase has not even matched inflation. All in all, prospects do not look good for improvement. Except, union members will organize more health and safety committees or will become more involved in existing committees. Employee input is a key to making a difference. Employees from all types of workplaces will increase participation in the National Council for Occupational Safety and Health, or COSH, at nationalkosh.org. Learn how to make your voice heard through COSH cooperation with OSHA.
Under Take Action, find out about building a health and safety committee for all types of workplaces. Labor-based organizations, such as National Kosh, will increase advocacy for real increases in the OSHA budget. Better enforcement is essential. In case you haven't guessed, OSHA does not currently have the resources for adequate enforcement of minimal health and safety standards. Workers will become more engaged in their own workplace safety and those of their co-workers as well as fight for more enforcement. More predictions. Workers will make use of existing OSHA resources such as the Hazard ID Training Advisor, eTools, Health and Safety Topics, some in Spanish, all available on www.osha.gov. Find out about OSHA rights and protections. And finally, regional labor liaisons will become increasingly important to answer worker questions and concerns. Find your Region 7 liaison at the OSHA website, Worker and Liaisons. In 2023, let's fight for the living. This is Mary Ario, wishing you a safe and happy 2023. Well, it looks like 2023 is going to give us a lot of challenges and opportunities for activism. We're going to go out with two more. One is a vision of a different world by Steve Zeltzer from San Francisco. And the other is some wisdom from Saul Schneiderman of the Labor Heritage Foundation. I'm Judy Ansel. This is Visions for 2023. This is Steve Zeltzer with Workweek. 2023 will be a year of worker rebellion and power. Hundreds of thousands of workers will be going on strike, and many of these workers will come to the conclusion that their struggle is directly connected to the struggle of other workers and communities. Nurses and healthcare workers are stretched to the bone, and many will strike and demand that the billionaires and capitalists get out of the healthcare industry. They will move toward the national strike of all healthcare workers with the demand that there be national healthcare under the control of workers and communities. The failure of the capital system to protect workers from COVID will also continue to create a backlash with workers organizing to defend themselves. The UPS Teamster workers will strike and they will organize with Amazon and FedEx workers to shut down the entire logistics industry until all workers have a union, living wages, and decent working conditions with the right to stop work to protect their health and safety. The airline workers and railroad workers will join together in 23 to organize a national shutdown against the Railway Labor Act and for the right to strike and sick days and an end to the unlimited hours of work. They will also demand the nationalization of railroads and airlines to get the billionaires out of these industries. Also, UAW auto workers will strike at all organized UAW plants as well as all parts plants and will be joined by auto workers at union, non-union plants in the South. This upsurge will organize millions and the time is ripe. Workers in many unions will decide that it is enough is enough with both the Democratic and Republican Party and form a mass Democratic Labor Party based on working people that will not only run candidates but to unite the working class for housing, food, and against the bipartisan war machine that is driving the world toward world war. U.S. workers will unite with workers around the world fighting the same multinationals and work to build a new global workers' movement for freedom and democracy. This will stop these endless wars all over the world and force this country to deal with the issues facing all working people. Get ready for 2023 and a new world. This is Saul Schneiderman, the chair of the Labor Heritage Foundation and the editor of Friday's Labor Folklore. I've been asked by the Heartland Labor Forum to look into my crystal ball and make a prediction for 2023. Well, I'm thinking about Howard Zinn, the esteemed historian who wrote A People's History of the United States. Howard said that if you look back at the last century, the 20th century, at some of the revolutionary changes that occurred in the world, if you think about these changes, you would say, oh, this would never happen, or this could never happen. A small group of socialist intellectuals would take over czarist Russia, a mustached man whose career started in a beer hall in Munich would declare war on the world and almost conquer Europe. The building of the CIO in the midst of the Great Depression. The Chinese Revolution. A black woman would sit down on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama and spark a movement to bring down segregation. The life story of Nelson Mandela. Are you kidding me? Did our grandparents or our parents really live through these events? Did we really experience them? Did anyone predict that they would happen? These remarkable, unpredictable changes Howard Zinn teaches us gives us cause for optimism 
and he called this belief the optimism of uncertainty. The changes we believed could never happen really did happen. So, a prediction about unions and the working class for 2023? I hope it will be in the words of Howard Zinn, quote, an endless succession of surprises moving zigzag toward a more decent society, unquote. So everybody, strap on your ergonomic seatbelt. Remember that the uncertainty of history leads us to optimism and get ready to sing Solidarity Forever. And that's it for our Crystal Ball Show. Be sure to keep listening to the Heartland Labor Forum. We might even tell you if any of these things come to pass. Next week on the show, we're going to have ex-postal worker Willa, who has a passion for books. And we're going to talk about new rules for gig workers. The Heartland Labor Forum is a member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Check out the rich diversity of programming related to workers and unions at laborradionetwork.org, where you will hear some of the voices you heard tonight. Thanks to our engineer, Stephen Hill. Stay tuned for the Thursday night special. It's Jasmine Jones, who hosts Next Step Forward. And please fill out the listener survey at kkfi.org and tell them one of your favorite shows is the Heartland Labor Forum. listening to the Heartland Labor Forum, a show by and about workers, our workplaces, and our labor movement. We are radio that talks back to the boss, and you can talk back to us too. Send us your feedback, your workplace stories, news, and ideas for shows to Heartland Labor Forum, KKFI at gmail.com. Our website, where we archive shows and post our upcoming ones, is heartlandlaborforum.org. The views expressed on this show are ours and not necessarily those of KKFI or any of the unions involved. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 or to our rebroadcast Friday mornings at 5 right here, 90.1 FM. We still got our pride, cause we are the working class and place to be He said if I were Frank Sinatra I'd pull strings And through political pull You'd be on top of the glorified garbage pile With all of their plastic smiles You'd be with all the self-appointed kings and queens With all their No one can deny that you could